game's changed. Gus couldn't even turn on a typewriter, let alone a computer. You don't know anything about the game. The computer can't tell if the kid's got instincts. Good morning, and welcome to episode 143 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. In New York, New York, I am Ben Lindbergh. Uh, back again is Sam Miller in Long Beach. And Hi. joining us uh, to talk about the Atlanta Braves is real live podcast listener, Zachary Levine. Hello, Zach. How are you? Very well. Uh, So the Braves, what was your favorite Upton acquisition of this offseason? My favorite was uh, was Justin, but but BJ can can take some solace in being a close second, which was weird for me because I'm the older brother and I usually – you know, prefer uh, older brother kind of things. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was a, a bigger fan of the Justin Upton acquisition. I thought, um, you know, obviously it's been talked about a lot on the show about uh, the deal from the Arizona standpoint. Um, but I just, I thought he'll, uh, he'll fit in real nicely and at, at pretty decent cost control, which is if you look at the, the last several years of Braves history has really been what it's about for uh, a successful team like this. They operate under, from what I understand, a pretty, uh, pretty tight restrictions uh, budget wise. And, and just uh, to have him locked in uh, with that sort of stability, making less than his brother. And, and I, I certainly expect him to be the more valuable player uh, year by year. I know he's only under, under team control three more versus now, now five for, for BJ Upton, but I just uh, I think I, I like uh, what Justin's going to be able to do a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Considering um, the the costs that uh, each of them ended up signing for, were you surprised at all that the Braves um, showed so much interest in BJ Upton and really not that much interest in bringing back Michael Bourne? Yeah, a little bit. Um, I, I guess I don't. I'm not sure if they thought Bourne was just going to be out of their range. It's sort of funny how. How we see that four and forty-eight now as just what I've been, you know, reading on the internet. Yeah, that's what he was worth. But in the beginning of this, it was your pitcher was Granky and your hitter was Born, and and that was the the top of the market. And I, I I'm not sure. Just because of the age, I, I would rather have Born than than Upton. But I feel like I I might rather have Born at four and forty-eight than I would Upton at five and seventy-five. Uh, I should mention, by the way, that Pete Barrett will be talking to Mark Bradley from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution after we wrap up with Zachary. Uh, So it seems to me that the Braves have uh, in their lineup a few players of of particular interest. I guess, uh, to me, Dan Ugla is one of those guys. Uh, There is, I think, a perception that his deal is already a disaster, and yet maybe there is a, kind of a, a counter argument that he is an undervalued player, or that uh, the fact that he has a low batting average is obscuring what he does do for the team. How do you feel about that deal, and and I guess about Ugla as a player? I mean, honest question: Did you guys know that he led the league in walks last year? I had no idea until about a week ago when I. I saw this and and was just totally surprised. And I, I know that if Joey Votto had played a, a full season, he would have blown him out of the water. But I mean, 
I've, it was... I've, yeah, I've known it for four seconds. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, he is the funny thing about his value is I, I was actually I was looking up some numbers on him earlier is he put together I think according to our measures a, a three and a half win season last year which which is hardly disastrous considering the deal but it was a a lot of that was in defensive value really for the first time in a while he'd been negative 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 in defensive value so I don't I don't put a lot of stock in it and the average has been falling the strikeout rate has been going up I think he struck out in about 27 percent of uh of plate appearances which has always been his deal I mean he's always been a a strikeout guy but but he's managed to put together a couple seasons here recently in the face of a few declining skills where where there's still some value there so I wouldn't I would certainly not put it as a, a disaster I think it might be be more years than than they'd be thrilled about looking back at it but I, disaster wouldn't be the the word that comes to mind so yeah baseball reference has him also having a pretty good season thanks to the defense and you know guys have good offensive seasons kind of out of nowhere occasionally um and you know you accept that even if that's not their true talent that at least they really did produce those things are the three of us in agreement that that when dan ugla puts up like a plus 10 defensive season that it's simply a measurement error or do you really think it's possible that he saved 10 runs with his defense last year whether he can repeat that or not yeah i i guess it's possible i i don't see it all that differently than than when you talk about the one great offensive season and and i don't really do you have a good example that, that you have in mind of a guy like that i'm, I'm trying uh, to think of someone you know, who just jason bartlett i don't know yeah and just then you, you saw the you sort of expect to see that true talent show up the next year i mean i i would if you had to hold me to it either way i would guess uh he will be closer to his 10 and 11 numbers than he will to twelve. but i don't I don't think there, I, there's nothing that would lead me to believe that on all of these different sites and, and slightly different measurements of, of defensive value that, that they were all off in some way. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at Jason Hayward's Pakoda projection. Uh, in a full season's worth of plate appearances, he is projected to be worth about four wins with a 303 true or no sorry a 287 true average uh where do you i guess what's your feeling on jason hayward at this point is he sort of the the post type sleeper type where he looked like he was going to be a, a a trout harper type talent and then injuries got in the way but it was really just a bump in the road and he's going to get to that level or have you kind of adjusted your expectations downward a little bit? No, I think he could be a top five MVP vote. The, uh, and I've always been a fan, and I, I think the talent is there. Um, I think he will get some help from you know, the things in MVP voting that, that aren't really the individual's value, the fact that he's going to be hitting in a good lineup and and could be in a position to drive in a lot of runs. The fact that I expect the Braves to be a playoff team, which would help him. Um, uh, I've uh, I've always been a fan. I think it was uh, one of the Braves writers, uh, Teddy Cahill. I, I hope I'm 
I'm saying I'm getting it right, who used to tweet every time uh, Jason Hayward did something good last year, and he's still only 22. So I was real impressed with his season. I wasn't all that worried after uh, after the bad year, um, but I'm a, a big fan and, and definitely still uh, still a believer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm also looking at the the team fielding runs above average projections, which you can see on our depth charts, and the Braves are far and away the best at about 23 runs uh, above average projected, but. Something like 16 of that comes from Andrelton Simmons, uh, and as as a shortstop who is that good at defense, if he could hit even a little bit, he would be a really valuable player. The question is, can he do that? He he kind of did that last year, but it wasn't a full season. Do you think that he can continue to do that, or was that more of a, a fluky thing? Yeah, I don't. I'm not convinced that's going to be his, you know, career stat line or anything. But but I think there's going to be a lot of value there. I, I expect that, you know, by the time it's all done, uh, he. I don't think he'll walk much. I don't think there will be a ton of power. I just I think there will be enough offensive value there to make him uh, really a. I don't know about an all-star, but it's certainly an above-average player for his whole career with uh, with plenty of value. Mm-hmm. Uh, you covered Chris Johnson when you covered the Astros. So how how much are, are Braves fans going to miss Chipper Jones this year? Uh, just aside from the, the nostalgia and the memories, how how much are they going to get out of this platoon of Juan Francisco and Chris Johnson if that's what they're going to go with? How do you see that playing time breaking down and, and how much do you think they can get out of that combination? Yeah, on the surface, it's a weird platoon because Johnson had a, a reverse split, mm-hmm. but I, I I never got the sense in, in covering him and in, in talking to him and looking at minor league stats in the Astros system that he actually has a reverse split. So I think it's going to be a much more comfortable a much more traditional platoon than than maybe uh, the the number on the surface would look um, if uh, if used properly and and I expect it will be used fairly strictly I think uh, Johnson will get the starts against lefties I I think uh, Francisco will hit righties I was I, I remember writing a, a couple months ago about Juan Francisco being a, a great platoon candidate um, so. I think the missing Chipper Jones, yeah, it'll be a, a drop off at third base, but um, I, I don't. Again, I, I don't think it'll be a disaster. It, it's uh, it's kind of funny. One of the things that um, that I was thinking about coming into this was how I am really the least frightened. I have the fewest fears about the Braves as maybe any team in baseball. The Reds were the other team that that came to mind of of the the fewest spots where I think, boy, there could be a real problem here. And I don't think the Braves are going to be the best team. And, and I think third base is maybe the one spot that I'm the most worried about. But when you think about starting rotation, including the back end, you think about all the positions on the field, you think about left-hand relief, right-hand relief. Um, it's just there are there are fewer things that I think could go really, really wrong with this team than, than maybe any other team in baseball. 
Yeah. So Ben, were you about to ask uh, something? I was just. Because gonna... it sounded like we both breathed <laughs> yeah, at the same time. I was just going to follow up on the the bullpen thing, which you mentioned. I mean, can you think of a better back of the bullpen on any team than than Kimbrel, Venters, Walden, O'Flaherty? I, I mean, we've seen the the Braves bullpen be very good for a while now, but. It seems like adding Walden makes it even scarier, and it's kind of hard to think of another team that can throw out that combination of a few guys, really, who could close for a lot of teams in a yeah. just kind of back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. Yeah, offhand, I can't. I know I, I was sort of a fan of, of the Giants more at some, you know, at other, sometimes more than others last year and, and thought, they had a, some really good combinations with all their lefties. Um, they probably they might go a little bit deeper. I'm not sure they have that same firepower at the end. So I guess the Braves would be my pick. You know, the the Reds piled up closers for a time. Um, they had a, a few guys who could do. I still like their uh, their bullpen. Obviously, a, a little less with. Uh, without Chapman and, and some of the departures there. But I think the Braves are are really, you know, I guess I would say they're tops in that category. Yeah, there's nothing offhand that I could think of. So um, I want to ask about Kimbrell specifically. So after, um, after July 1st, he struck out more than half the batters he faced. He struck out more than 18 batters per nine. Uh, he struck out 66 and walked four. He uh, allowed two runs in that time. Um, and so I just wonder if you think that um, Kimbrel is like the kind of guy who's so good that he might actually change the sport, that uh, there might actually be, uh, like Ben and I have talked about uh, a piece that Nyer wrote about the about how Ernie Frieri is the canary in the coal mine for strikeouts. Like at a certain point, it just gets to be too much and baseball maybe has to do something. And we debated that. But if Kimbrel is like really legitimately this good i wonder if it changes the role um that if if it changes the role that um relievers have or if it changes um what teams expect out of their relievers or you know whatever or if it was just that he had three really good months and that you know next year i'll have like a 1.80 ra and we won't even notice yeah it's amazing who we're having this conversation about if we talked in june last year and said who are we going to be having this conversation about at the end of this year of a a potential game-changing reliever we would have said chapman right yeah yeah. yeah, and and it was like uh, I know our newspaper wrote a column in in May last year about Josh Hamilton as the best player in baseball. You know, all capital letters on the best player in baseball, and it's just it's amazing how things change. I don't I don't see, and maybe it's just because I'm so frightened of relievers blowing out, but I, I just I don't see him fundamentally altering the game. Um, he sure is fun to watch though, and and the numbers were. We're certainly video game-like. Um, obviously, it, it must have been very comforting for Braves fans, but I, I just relievers make me nervous for some reason, and and it's it's really hard for me to to declare something like that. The only video game I ever had growing up was Tetris. So whenever people say that, I get really confused. <laughs> I think I, like, yeah, I didn't have video games either. I just felt like that's <laughs> what you're supposed to say. I was just bad at baseball video games. I think when I played, my players had normal numbers. Um, so you mentioned how few weaknesses you see on this team. So we get to the prediction part of the podcast. Uh, where do you see this team finishing and how many wins do you think they're capable of? 
I see them finishing second in the National League East. I see them hosting the wild card game, and I, I see fans behaving a little bit better this time. <laughs> and uh, I think they will, will host uh, probably the Giants in that wild card game. And they will win 89 games. But what will the score of that wild card <laughs> game be? The score of the wild card game four to two. Braves. That's all. You, yeah. No. No. Just four to two. Mm. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. One of those bullpens will yeah. will do a nice job. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Zachary Levine. All right. Thank you. Uh, and coming up after the intro, Pete talks to Mark Bradley of the Atlanta Journal Constitution. It may still be winter. But Baseball Prospectus is ready to play ball. Pete Barrett is taking you around the league with 30 insiders who cover Major League Baseball. Step into the box. The squeeze is on. And welcome to The Squeeze. Mark Bradley, a sports columnist for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, joins us to talk Braves baseball. Mark, thanks for coming on. Uh, Thanks for having me. You wrote a very compelling column last week that the Braves were right to not wait for Michael Bourne's price to drop and instead go after the bigger upside with the Uptons. I certainly agree with you, but for those who haven't read the column or followed the Braves' reasoning this winter, why is that the case in your mind? Well, I think that uh, the market dropped uh, on Michael Bourne for a lot of the reasons that the Braves uh, weren't sure how long they wanted to uh, retain his services. They, they offered him the one-year qualifying uh, thing for $13 million. But, you know, they also saw that he's, you know, and they saw it firsthand, that he's, uh, uh, he's a single-sitting uh, speed outfielder who's 30 years old. He doesn't uh, get on base uh, much beyond hitting his way there. I mean, he doesn't walk very much. And he strikes out a lot. And that's, uh, a lot of people, or at least I, I know some people within the Braves, were were very worried that uh, um, when he starts to lose a step, uh, which you know all of us do at some point, uh, even if some of us didn't have a step to lose, the uh, you know what's he going to do uh, as regards getting on base then and. Uh, you know, he's still a great defensive outfielder. He's still an asset. He's still a really good guy. And I think in a perfect world, the Braves would have loved to have kept him uh, on their team for a few more years. But I don't know that they were ever willing to uh, meet the price that uh, Scott Boris was, was asking. And I don't know that too many teams actually met it because uh, he ended up s- signing for less than, uh, uh, for uh, an average of $12 million over four years with, Cleveland, which is less than the Braves' one-year qualifying offer was. Yeah, it was definitely interesting to see how it played out. Uh, A guy that is in camp but not really on the roster, Chipper Jones, back as an instructor, a special instructor for camp. Uh, Do you think he he misses it a little bit? Does it show that by coming back so soon that he might be second-guessing retirement? Well, I'm not down there yet, so I I, I can't really make that judgment from afar. I, I would say that knowing him, uh, and knowing that he's a guy who's been around nothing but baseball, um, you know, most of his life, uh, he's, you know, there, there have to be, uh, I would guess, some pains about it. But 
I also think that, that he's enough of a pragmatist to know that uh, he put himself through a lot these last few years to get through, uh, to get himself ready to play. And, uh, it, you know, he, he, he hurt in a lot of places. Uh, there were, there were surgeries and there were injuries and there were tweaks. And, you know, I think last year he even had something blow up on him, uh, an ankle or something, knee swell up on him on a, on a flight, uh, to the West Coast. So I, I, I think that, you know, um, I think that he's definitely going to miss it this first year. This is just me guessing here. I think he's definitely, definitely going to miss it, but I also think that, uh, Midway through the summer, when uh, you know the other guys are in the dog days and having to push themselves through the heat of uh, July and August, he might not miss it quite as much then. Right, and right now it seems like the Braves might go with a platoon at third base. Juan Francisco starting against righties, Chris Johnson starting against lefties. Is there a big drop off from Jones's production? You think than what those two will put up? Well, Chipper, you know, the, the the thing that was pretty uncanny about Chipper was as long as he was healthy, which was, you know, the, the, that was something that was never a given in, in his later years, he was still a productive hitter. His skills hadn't diminished so much as, as just his body was was starting to uh, to uh, um, uh, go south on him. And I think that uh, he's... Um, you know, yeah, he's, he's going to be a hard guy to replace. And, and I think that if you're looking at the Braves on paper, you'd have to say right now that third base is their weakest position. But that said, they, the other positions uh, are, are pretty strong. Uh, they've, got a, they've got a nice outfield. Uh, Freddie Freeman's a player. Uh, Brian McCann, when healthy, is obviously a player. Uh, they really like Anderson Simmons. Uh, and they're hoping yet again that Dan Ugla can – can remember that uh, remember how to hit when uh, when he was a Marlin the way he did when he was a Marlin. Yeah. Um, so I you know I, I think that you know everybody's got to have a position that's their weakest. I mean there there aren't many perfect teams, and and I would say right now they're just looking at it the third base would be the Braves. Right, and you mentioned Dan Lugla. They hope he hits like he did when he was a Marlin last season. A career low, 19 home runs, 384 slugging percentage, 220 batting average. What does he need to change? Is there some kind of hitch in his swing, or what is he going to try to work on, do you think, in, in spring training? You know, I, I, he's been here two years, and he's, he's gone through some pretty epic slumps uh, each of those years. I mean, if, if you remember two years ago, he was hitting under 200 uh, in July, which is pretty hard to do. And, um, you know, if you look back at his, his, at his Florida record, uh, he had hit every year he'd been in the major leagues. He had been fairly consistent you know he would he would hit home runs he would drive in runs and he would hit for a decent average uh he came up here signed a new uh, the new deal to to stay a brave for five more years and ended up not doing very much of any of that uh he he, he ended the 2011 season actually you know driving in some runs and, and hitting some homers at the end uh, and if you remember, he he actually had I think like a thirty hit thirty game hitting streak or something in the same season in which he was hitting uh, under two hundred uh, at the All Star break. But uh, uh, he he is he is a non hitter. I mean, last year at one point he was leading the league in both strikeouts and walks. Uh, and and you know the, if you watch him with a naked eye, you think well he'll swing at anything. But that that's not entirely true. The Braves have worked with him, I think, and. They've gotten him to the point where he, he doesn't swing at just about anything or else he wouldn't be having as many blocks as he did. Uh, and, and I think if you look, you'll see that his on-base percentage last year was the same as Michael Bourne's, 
uh, I think it was 348. So, you know, that if you're going to hit 220, you might as well, you know, you might as well balance that with, with being able to get on base via, via the walk. But, uh, uh, you asked me specifically what he's going to work on. I don't know. I think that if there were something specific, they probably would have worked on it by now. I think it's just the, the issue is just going to be, uh, uh, resolved or, or, or stay unresolved by whether or not he actually gets up there and hits. We're talking Braves with Mark Bradley, sports columnist for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You can follow him on Twitter at MarkBradleyAJC. Mark, you got Craig Kimbrell, Johnny Venters, Eric O'Flaherty. Do you think there's a better bullpen in the National League? Um, no, I don't. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, been, it's been very good for two since now. Uh, Venters wasn't as good last year as he was in, in 2011 uh, when he was great. But um, Kimbrell's the best closer, I think, in baseball. And uh, 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 O'Flaherty's a good pitcher. They've got more depth now, uh, I think, than they've ever had. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, it, it's kind of weird because for the, for the longest time back in the 90s, uh, Braves baseball was, was essentially a function of starting pitching, getting them to the eighth inning, and then it kind of becoming a, a question as to whether or not they could find somebody to close the game. Well, now they have, they have, they have the best bullpen they've had. Uh, there was one exception, I think, in 2002 when they had uh, Chris Hammond and uh, uh, um, uh, Michael Remlinger, and I think Smoltz was closing when the bullpen was just unbelievable. But this bullpen now is, is the, with that possible, with that possible exception, is the best they've had in the last twenty uh, some years, and uh, it's you know they it, it gives them the luxury of being able to play six and seven inning games. Absolutely, the game's locked up after that point. Um, Mark, you, you mentioned you ha- you're not down in camp yet. What are you looking forward to seeing once you arrive? I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I'm. I'm I think when you reach my advanced age, you're, you, one of the things you kind of try to tell yourself is that, you know, it is only practice games and um, you can't be too swayed by anything you see in spring training. But, you know, I, I think I'm eager to see the Uptons uh, because, uh, you know, they, they, uh, the Braves have invested a great deal in these two guys. And I think that uh, a lot of people here are are eager to see them play, uh, to see how they uh, mesh with the rest of this team, to see how they get along with each other. And, and, I, and I think that, you know, they bring they bring the sort of uh, potential that the Braves, uh, the Braves, uh, it's not that the Braves have never had a good young player come up. They've had Jason Hayward and Freddie Freeman and Anderson Simmons here in the last two or three years. But uh, um, it, it's kind of nice to see two guys who are still pretty young uh, come into uh, this organization and uh, and still think that uh, there's upside to be had there. Right. And as a longtime sports columnist, I'm sure you developed long relationships with guys like Chipper or, I mean, other guys, formerly Smoltz, Maddox, Glavin. Now, say, just take us inside your job then when two new guys would come to town. How do you develop that kind of relationship from the start? Is that something that you'll look forward to doing in spring training? Um, you know, I, I think... You, you just sort of hang around and see how, what, see what they're like. Uh, you know, some guys like talking, some guys don't. Some guys are are uh, more amenable to just talking about other stuff as opposed to you know like what happened in the game. And some guys would rather just respond to questions about what happened in the game. Um, I think one of the things that you try to do is just 
see uh, see what the new guys are like, and then then kind of take it from there. I don't know that there's any great uh, any great uh, list of procedure that you would follow. It's just kind of a feel thing. All right, Mark, thank you so much for joining us, talking Braves baseball and building relationships. Thanks so much. <laughs> well, I don't I don't know very much about either. I don't know. <laughs> thanks for having me. Thanks, Mark. Take care. Yes, sir. Thank you. Bye bye.